Hey guys, welcome to On Air with Rebecca. I have a very exciting program for you today. I'm gonna to be interviewing one of my personal favorites, Sid Roth. He's gonna be sharing his supernatural testimony of how Jesus saved him from the New Age movement. You're definitely going to want to hear it. He's the founder of Messianic Vision Ministries. He has a program, It's Supernatural, and he's coming to us live from his studio in Charlotte, North Carolina. Sid Roth, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Becca. I gotta say, I have been watching your show for so many years now, and I love that you talk about all things supernatural. You know, a lot of the church today still isn't talking about the supernatural, but it's so important. You know, I got rescued out of the demonic supernatural, and the devil is not ashamed to show his stuff. It's sort of like with what's going on in the world today. For the last few years, uh, the devil has shown his stuff. That's what he's done. And we're about ready to see God show his stuff now. And devil, watch out. That's all I got to say. Amen. And I love that. And I love believers knowing the authority of Christ and knowing that we can operate in that. And I love that you talk about that on your show. And so I want to get into your life testimony because, guys, you are going to love this. I remember the first time I heard this story and I was just completely drawn in. So, Sid, tell us, let's go back to what kind of home were you raised in? Were you around any kind of religion? And then how did you end up in this demonic place that God supernaturally saved you from? I, I was raised in a good Jewish family. My mother is Jewish. My father is Jewish. As a matter of fact, I just, I, I could tell you how Jewish I am, Becca. I, I, I recently did a DNA and they were able to find from a woman from the tribe of Judah that I was related to. So I even know what tribe I'm from. <laughs> but I, I was raised in a Jewish home. Uh, I went to an Orthodox Jewish synagogue. Um, I... I sort of believed in God. <laughs> I know this sounds strange. You can be Jewish and sort of believe in God. But the truth of the matter is God wasn't relevant in my life. I would go to the synagogue. It would all be in Hebrew. And, uh, you know, I, I know Shalom, y'all, but uh, that's a southern Shalom. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I don't speak Hebrew. I read it. I had a, you know, I can read it. So I would read the whole day in the synagogue on Yom Kippur, uh, not understanding a word I was saying. So you can see how you kind of get disinterested, and that's what happened with most American Jews. Uh, and, uh, uh, and so I... Uh, I remember one thing I wanted to tell you, though, Becca, is when I was a young kid, and this has to do with God, I remember my parents who were uh, great athletes. Uh, I don't know if you're into athletics or not, but like my parents were, but their sport of choice was uh, the great sport of poker. <laughs> that was their sport. Uh, and they would be up late at night. Uh, you know, the movie Home Alone, I could have written the script. And I remember one night I was home alone because my folks were out in their sporting event. Uh, and, uh, uh, and somehow something popped in my head. I mean, today I know where it came from, but back then I had no paradigm for it, nothing. That a question popped in my head. What happens when you die? Now, we Jews, it's the religion of l'chaim, to life, not to death. 
We don't talk about death. But I, that was a question. And so I tried to get an answer as like a six-year-old boy home alone. I, what happens when you die? And I started having the most gross thoughts and I got the feeling I ceased to exist. And I, whatever is me, I didn't want it to be snuffed out. I didn't want to cease to exist. And so I did the only intelligent thing a six-year-old boy can do at that point. I blocked it from my mind and I stopped thinking about it until many years later. So fast forward, graduate college, married, child, have a job with the largest stock brokerage firm in the world. My great desire in life, I was taught this by television, by the way, is I could have happiness if I could have millions of dollars. So my goal was to make back then a million dollars uh, by 30. <laughs> 29 comes along and I have a wonderful solid career, but I'm not going to be a millionaire by 30 and therefore I can't be happy, according to my lie that I was taught on television. Uh, and so I did something I'm not proud of, Becca. I left my job. I left my wife. I left my daughter. And I went searching for happiness. You know what? A year later, things got even worse. I mean, I thought it was bad then. It got even worse. Uh, I wrote a book called There Must Be Something More based on a song that I wrote, There Must Be Something More, which was really the song in my heart, which I happen to believe in less, even if you're Christian, if you don't have experiential knowledge with God through Jesus, I mean, in quotes, experiential knowledge uh, with God, uh, you've got to be shouting, there must be something more. There must be something more. And so that's where I was at. And so I got involved in a new age meditation course. They kind of disguise it as something self-help and stuff like that. It's nothing more than a demon uh, factory where you get demons inserted based on you breaking spiritual laws that you don't even know exist, that are, if you're Jewish, they're on your Jewish Bible. If you're Christian, they're in the New Testament and Old Testament. Um, but uh, it, it actually, the Bible calls it in Deuteronomy 18, an abomination to be involved in a lot of these new age practices and witchcraft practices. But you know, what did I know? <laughs> they're run by Christians, a lot of these courses, so-called. Uh, but um, so I took this course uh, and they told me I had to invite a, a counselor inside of me, uh, which is a nice term for demon. <laughs> and I invited it inside and it would tell me answers to questions. And then I, my logical mind said, hmm, if I can have answers to questions, I'm a stockbroker, I can make my million dollars, I can be happy and live happily ever after. It's, that's Hollywood, that's not life. However, uh, it got worse. And through a series of events, I found out that I was involved with a demon. Things just kept getting bad. And I didn't even want to live. Remember that young boy that prayed? And then pray, I wasn't praying, that just heard what happens when you die? I didn't want to die, but life was too hard. And I happen to believe that a lot of peace people that are watching us right now, that life is too hard. And I understand it. We humans were designed to need God. 
We weren't designed to do it ourselves. So of course life is too hard. So anyway, um, I, I, given a, I was given a little booklet, uh, The Four Spiritual Laws, you've probably seen them. And I read through it, made no sense whatsoever to me, but I did say that prayer. Nothing, no lightning, no thunder. That didn't work. That Christian prayer is nothing. But I was told by my Christian friends that gave me that booklet that if I would pray to God in the name of the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, I could get set free of any crisis. So, you know, if you're sinking in the ocean, Becca, uh, and you don't care who throws you a rope, especially if you're going down for the third time. And my rope was Jesus. So I didn't know what I was doing, but I prayed a simple two-word prayer, not a fancy prayer. My prayer was, and I was at bottom, and that had something to do with it. I had nowhere else to go, and I knew it. And I was going down in the middle of the ocean myself for the third time. And I cried out a prayer, Jesus, help! And this is what happened to me 50 years ago. But it's as real as it was yesterday, Becca. 50 years ago, I went to bed because life was too rough and I didn't want to wake up. But I did wake up. And I felt the greatest presence of peace in me, around me, everywhere in the bedroom that I'd ever experienced in my life. I had no paradigm for it. I'd never been into drugs. I'd never been an alcoholic. Um, I, I, I didn't know what, I don't know what those highs are like, but I can tell you this, whatever they are, it's nothing compared to experiencing what I experienced now I know, I didn't know it at the time, I just know I went from chaos and not wanting to live to the greatest feeling I'd ever had in my life. It was the pure love of God. Not love, not human love, not a love of a mother for a child, that's wonderful, not a love of a husband for a wife, that's wonderful, but it was 100% pure love and it was God. And then I heard the audible voice of God because I'd left my wife and daughter and he said, he quoted Malachi. I didn't even know what Malachi said. And he, 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 he quoted Malachi and he said, I hate divorce, return to your wife and daughter. And you know what I said, Becca? Yes, sir, <laughs> that's what I said. And God restored my, my mind, my marriage, my peace, my purpose, and then I found out something fascinating. So my, everything was restored in my life. I mean, I can tell you every member of my immediate family has now become a believer in the Messiah. Now, I wanted to ask you, you know, being raised Orthodox, coming to faith in Christ, you know, that is culturally a really big deal. You know, so I want you to talk about God's heart for Israel. And really, you know, I married a Jewish believer. And so this is when it really became clear for me. And yes, and I love him so much and he's amazing. But one of the gifts of marrying a Jewish believer is in that time period, God really began to show me and opened my paradigm to the significance and the role of Israel. And it's crazy because growing up in church, I really did not understand that because it was not taught to me. And what I've begun to understand now is it 
Israel's kind of like everything. You know, Jesus is everything, but I mean, Israel is such a significant part. They're God's people and he still has a destiny and a purpose for them. So can you talk about what it's been like almost being in the middle, being raised Jewish and knowing that, but then being in the Christian world? Uh, well, obviously I've given a lot of thought to this. I've suffered a lot for being, uh, I, I was the first, to my knowledge, the first member of my family to be a believer in Jesus uh, in, since Jesus came and died and uh, rose from the dead. I, I, I was the first in my genealogy. Uh, and uh, I, I can just tell you this, 2,000 years ago, there were one group of Jews, not Jews and Gentiles, one group of Jews that followed a rabbi from Nazareth. His name was Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, and another group of Jews that followed traditional Judaism. But then a great crisis occurred. In 70 AD, it was impossible to follow traditional Judaism. The temple was destroyed. Uh, of course, they didn't read in Daniel that said the Messiah will come and die, be cut off, and then the temple will be destroyed. So if the temple was destroyed, the Messiah had already come, uh, but they didn't put that together. So one group of Jews reinvented Judaism, not based completely on the Torah, but because the, if you base it on the Torah, you need a temple and you need animal sacrifice. It couldn't be. And so I understand why they did it. If you don't accept God's way, you have to reinvent. They reinvented Judaism. It's beautiful today. It's family. It's the most beautiful culture in the world as far as I'm concerned. However, if it blinds you to knowing the truth of God, what's more important? I mean, this life is a blink of the eye. Uh, knowing God is eternity. Uh, and as far as I'm concerned, I have, set, I have distributed millions of books and booklets to Jewish people. We mailed a million books uh, about who Jesus is to Jewish families throughout North America. I have one here that I wrote, uh, there must be something more. We designed this just for millennials. Uh, and But you know what? You need the glory of God. And guess what? The glory of God is the next move of God's spirit to an intensity. Uh, like a friend of mine wrote a book, uh, and I wrote an endorsement for it. And he says, we're going back to Pentecost. No, we're not. We're going back to a million times greater than Pentecost. You say, how could it be greater? Even Jesus knew it would be greater. He said, you will do the same works I have done and even greater. God says in Genesis 12, 3, I, God, will bless those who bless the Jewish people. I, God, will curse those who curse them. If you study history, you will see God is not a man that he should lie. And every nation that has turned against Israel has been flattened by God. And every nation that has blessed Israel, and I'll take one in particular we're all familiar with, the United States of America, uh, that that's actually in the name Jerusalem. I don't know if you've ever noticed it. You spell Jerusalem, USA, is in the middle of the spelling of, of Jerusalem. And we have been the best friends to Israel. As a matter of fact, I'm a little concerned about America right now uh, because from administration to administration, they're either pro-Israel or against Israel or neutral. But as far as I'm concerned, um, 
this country has turned rapidly against Israel, and we're reaping the, the, uh, the penalties of that. But I'll tell you, in the midst of the, I'm not worried about the consequence, whether it's in the United States or whether it's in another country. I, I am going to be in the center of the glory of God. And I can tell you this, Becca, until my time is up, no weapon formed against me can prosper. And I have a destiny, you have a destiny, and those that are watching have a destiny. And you're, if, if you've never said a prayer where you have, in your heart, you can absolutely say, hey, I know Jesus is alive. You tell me uh, uh, that he's not alive. It's too late. I talk to him. I know him. He's my best friend. You're telling me he's not alive? Come on, give me a break. That's where I want you to be. That's where I want the whole world to be. And you can, and it's God's great heart desire. He wants you to know him to have your own experiential knowledge with them. And Becca, can I lead people in a prayer right now? Yes, I was gonna ask you to do that, go ahead. I want you to repeat this prayer out loud and mean it to the best of your ability. Now that you can do, both things you can do. You can say it out loud and you can mean it to the best of your ability. God doesn't ask you what you can't do. He wants to do what you can't do. He wants to take that dirt you live in and come and enter it and put you in a little bit of the kingdom of heaven on earth, just a little bit, because you're still surrounded with the dirt. Repeat this prayer out loud with me, out loud. Dear God, I'm a sinner and I'm so sorry. I believe the blood of Jesus washes away all of my sins and I am clean. And now that I'm clean, Jesus, come and live inside of me. Thank you for saving me. I make you my Lord. Help me to experience you. Help me to feel your love. Amen. First of all, thank you for that prayer. You're, you know, you keep talking about that we haven't even seen the greatest revival yet. And I personally believe this too. I feel like God has shown me that personally. And don't you believe that the Jewish people also have a role in that? And can you explain that connection and why you think the greatest revival is to come? I know that the glory of God is going to hit the whole world. And it's going to hit in particular Israel. And you are going to see, Becca, in your lifetime and in my lifetime, some of the greatest teachers, the greatest. I mean, they'll all be bigger, better than Paul the ones that are gonna be coming to the Lord. I see so many young Israelis on fire. I mean, literally on fire for Jesus, where Jesus is the Lord. I mean, I see how zealous they are for Orthodox Judaism. What happens when they have their own encounter with God, their own encounter with the living God? Can you picture what'll happen with 10,000 young millennial Jews running to the four corners of the earth and spreading the gospel? I believe just as God used the Jews at the first coming of Jesus, he's gonna choose the Jews at the return. I believe that the nation of Israel will be ablaze for Jesus. I believe there'll be entire countries that are going to turn to the Lord. I mean, why would anyone want to retire or die right now? I mean, if you have a heart to see all Israel saved, 
And when all Israel is saved, the whole world will be saved. I'll tell you why. Because all Israel has been spread, according to the Bible, to the four corners of the earth. In the last days, they will come back from the four corners of the earth to Israel. Uh, I, I mean, do you, do you know, even in the worst times in COVID this past year, Aliyah, that's the return from the nations of Jews, has, has increased almost uh, 30%. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's uh, compared to the year before. I mean, Jews are beginning to realize the only safe place for a Jew used to be the U.S. I don't think it's going to be that if, if, they, if things continue much longer the way they're turning. But in many countries of the world, it's not safe to, to demonstrate that you're Jewish, and the only safe place is Israel. So even in the days of the worst of COVID, the, the Aliyah is increasing dramatically. Uh, uh, so any Christian, I, I mean, remember that one scripture I just said from Zechariah, I think it's in the second chapter in the Living Bible, I love it. He that touches Israel is the same as someone that pokes their finger in God's eye. Uh, that's strong. That is powerful. Now, the Jew is a natural branch. And yes, the natural branch uh, and the wild olive tree are, uh, are grafted back in, but how much easier is it for that natural branch? And these natural, and it's not that a Jew is better than a Gentile. We're extremely, uh, God is extremely fair. We're equal in Jesus because it says really that there's always a physical Jew, just as there's always a physical female, a physical male, a physical Jew, a physical Gentile. That just means someone born from someplace outside of Israel. Uh, uh, the, the Bible says, in the last days, there'll be a new species of being, one that never existed before. It'll be called the one new man. And in the original Greek, it's the one new humanity, the one new humanity. And it, it's this one new humanity is all of us operating in the love of Messiah, the compassion of Messiah, the unity, the oneness, the love for one another. Um, and it will astound the world. And they'll, you know, the song, they'll know we are believers by our love, by our love. They will know we are believers by our love. That's coming with the glory. Amen. That's so good. The last thing I just want to ask you to do is I can just see like young believers watching this. How would you encourage young believers who are watching this right now? What would you say to them? Young or old. Age is just a number. If you're 10 years old Amen. or if you're 80 years old, it's just a number. Young or old, start praying the prayer of Moses. What did Moses pray? Lord, show me your glory. What did, what did God answer? I will, I will, I will show you. I, I will show you my love. I will, the glory of God is the love of God manifested. Pray, show me your glory. It's the actual word in the Hebrew means, God said, I will show you my goodness. Do you want to see the goodness of God in the land of the living? Your prayer should be the Moses prayer. God, show me your glory. 
and, you, and I would pray this several times during the day. Uh, what I'm beginning to find out is the more you pray scripture, the more God operates in your life. Uh, one of the messages of the hour right now, Becca, is pray the word of God. Talk the word of God. Sing the word of God. Uh, that, 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 that is, uh, there's so many people, they say, God, why aren't you doing this for me? Why aren't you, they don't run to understand the strategic partnership between man and God. We speak it, God does it. We don't speak it, God doesn't do it. I don't believe anyone comes to the Lord without someone having prayed for them. You say, well, how do Jewish people come to the Lord without someone praying for them? God just touches someone like uh, Becca Lamwise and, uh, and says, pray for that doctor over there, pray for that attorney over there, pray for that former schoolmate over there that's Jewish. Uh, and I'll tell you this, I like to teach on something called, uh, I call it the law of evangelism. Started with God the Father. When God wanted to reach the whole world, not just the Jew, who did he go to first? Abram, the first Jew. When Jesus wanted to reach the whole world, he died for the sins of the whole world. What did he say? I go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, summarized it all. And he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first, not just the historical order, but God's spiritual order. I can tell you as a fact, when I have gone to the Jew first, I've reached more Gentiles than if I had gone to the Gentile first. It's called the law of evangelism, Becca. Wow, that is so good. Well, I have to say, thank you so much for taking the time and for pouring in your experience, your wisdom. I love your passion. I love that you're still going. I mean, going strong. Thank you for everything that you're doing and thank you for being an encouragement to the body of Christ and for shining the light of Jesus to the world. We really appreciate you, Sidra. And I watch you and your family on TV and I appreciate the Lamb family. Hey, thanks for watching. You can follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Lamb Weiss.